everybody, Eric Bischoff here, and have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co-host, John Alba, every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight-up business talk here. No fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and, of course, the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry, well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now and listen at adfreeshows.com. Do you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts with nine bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course you couldn't do it without the hall of famer and vice president of the, I don't know what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Jarrett, Jeff, what the heck, dude, what's going on? How are you? Thompson. Here we are Memorial day weekend heading into the summer. I guess this holiday is, is, uh, probably the very best out of holidays. It's, it's fitting. It's, uh, it's really fitting Memorial days. When you look back. And for me and you today, we can look back over the last 12 months, 13 months. Yes. Had a lot of highs, had a, had a few lows in there. You got me crying and. Oh gosh. Listen to you. Well, yeah, I mean, really, I, 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 I have thoroughly enjoyed this last year. Like it's indescribable. It, it was really is. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, we can't thank you guys enough for joining us on this journey. I don't think a lot of people, I had so many people come out of the woodwork and say, I never thought I'd ever listen to a Jeff Jarrett podcast. And and then they loved it. And then, you know, we all see the news last week. It broke towards the end of the week last week that you're moving on pal. Good for you, dude. Congratulations back in the saddle. You know, I've, I've said the joke here on the show a lot that if cats have nine lives, Jarrett's have 10 and you apparently found another one. Uh, you're, you're back with WWE. What can you tell us about your new role and what you'll be doing there? And you know, I, as you know, me Conrad, I'm a personal guy and, uh, I'll leave, um, I'll, I'll leave it personal for that matter. It's, you know, and, and kind of what's been stated out there, SVP live events, you know, as well as anybody, my passion is in live events, but I'll just kind of leave that right there. Um, 
it's uh, it's going to be a, a journey that I'm excited about. But you know, as it all comes together, you know what this means, don't you? Well, I am so ready for year two. Let's rock, Conrad. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, guys. We knew we were going to get the question. What does this mean for the podcast? It means nothing. Uh, Business as usual. <laughs> every single Tuesday. It might mean that Jeff and I have to record on a different schedule, but you're still going to get my world every single Tuesday. Uh, we've still got a lot of time left on our Westwood one deal, and we're going to be bringing you podcasts for a long time. And I know there's been a lot of debate about, you know, who can do what within WWE, but I don't think we're tr- trading any, sh- any, uh, trade secrets here, sharing any trade secrets here, but you have a carve out, I believe is the phrase to where you can still continue to do the podcast. And it's just business as usual here for my world. Right. Earn right, pal. And I hope we keep the same schedule. I like it timely. I like to get into it. I like to come off the weekend, do my research or read my research and dive into it. You know, last night, Karen, uh, when I came down the steps, Conrad, she goes, wow, what's the topic tomorrow? You were up there. Wow. I had fun looking back over these notes, man. What a different, Oh, we'll get into it, but you know, family health situations and just, just all the craziness that went around it and Ron killings. And it just Conrad, it was uh hats off to research guys hats off, Derek. You did a hell of a job on this one. We dove in a couple of comments from uh, the chairman himself in there that we're going to get to. So looking forward to this, but before we dive into that, Oh, uh, fellow promoter, if oh, you will listen to you. Come on now. Don't, don't start. Don't, no, 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 no. Let me drive this shit for a minute. Congratulations, my friend. In under 24 hours, your first very first, now you've done four star cast. Yep. Lots of stage shows. Yep. Uh, so lots of mortgages. You've yep. done a lot in your career, uh, but collected a few belts. Did some horse trading uh, yeah. over some belts, all this. But to my knowledge, you've never been a promoter of a wrestling show. And you came out of the gate. Rick Flair's last, Rick Flair's last match.com. Pally in under 24 hours. Well, who's keeping score? But all, all the tickets, were, all, all the <laughs> all the seats were sold in three hours and 32 minutes. Uh, what we had some standing <laughs> room on. We had some standing room only options and, and I said, guys, I think they normally release that after the fact, but, uh, the, the brain trust decided, ah, let's just throw them up. And, uh, yeah. And inside of 24 hours, even the standing room only tickets were sold, which kind of shocked me if I'm honest with you, because it's like, we're telling you up front, you can, you can watch, but you can't, can't sit down. We don't have any chairs and, uh, <laughs> folks still did it. So yeah, it's totally sold out. Ric Flair's last but don't worry. Uh, you can still enjoy it. I can't believe this is real on pay-per-view, both traditional pay-per-view and fight. We want you to pre-order with fight, go to Ric Flair's last and you can do that. We have an option for you to get just the roast of Ric Flair. Another option for you to get the roast and all the panels at Starcast, like you normally would, uh, as the roast is included in the Starcast bundle, but then there is like a, a much bigger bundle where you get Ric Flair's last match, the roast and all of the panels. Uh, and there's even a special opportunity on there and we can't do this for all of them, but there's a canvas. You'll actually have a piece of the canvas from Ric Flair's last match with a picture of him and his retirement robe. It's a really cool opportunity. It's Ric Flair's last I think folks are going to dig this man. And I know that you've, uh, you've been helping me as I said, Hey man, what about this match? And what about that match? And, uh, you, you've been my, uh, 
I don't know, my mentor in all of this. And I think oh. the undercard that we haven't announced at all, because you know, this thing oh, sold out with us just saying Ric Flair's last match. We didn't say an opponent. We just said, Hey, here's the date. Here's the time. Here's the place. And it's Ric Flair's last match. And it sold out, but the undercard, this is going to be pretty special. Wouldn't you agree? I can't, Oh, Conrad, you know how hyped I am. And, um, for an old vet like me to just kind of like, Oh wow. That came through Conrad. How'd that call go Oh, Yep. We're confirmed. Oh, th- that one word confirmed is a mighty enjoyable text to get from you <laughs> these days, but I'm excited, man. It is, uh, I, I really think, uh, and I've said this, uh, here on my world, uh, a, a really, really good card is there is a little something for everybody yes. and different slants and just, you know, uh, you know, check these boxes, however you want to sort of cachet it. I am fired up the roast. What a buzz in this town. I did local radio here on uh, 104.5, the zone Friday morning. And uh, me and the producer and a couple other guys, and I got some phone calls or texts afterwards. Um, politically, I'll just say that diplomatically right now in, in Nashville, there is an incredible buzz for StarCast because we have, you know, for, for listeners out there all over the globe, uh, shout out to my Australian friends down there, uh, loyal supporters in the UK. So uh, I'm not sure if you can make it over, but so I, I don't want to get too localized here, but Nashville has never had, and look, the Jarrett's have promoted uh, in this town or been a part of the promotion since 1946. But to my knowledge, I certainly hadn't been a part of a a convention. Over 100 wrestlers are going to be here. And I just don't think that can be, just don't think it can be overstated enough, Conrad. The stage shows are great. And yes, all the multiple podcasts, but, you know, the one-of-a-kind situations you put together, it, it Nashville has never seen anything quite like the weekend. Of course, SummerSlam's coming to town and the stadium show, but uh, less than three miles away, Conrad, the stuff you have lined up, the Friday night, this all day Saturday, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and then JCP at 605. Nashville's never had anything like this. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we hope you guys are, are checking out what we're doing. Follow us on social at Starcast Events. Uh, if you missed last week, you missed a lot. We announced that we've got Brian Danielson for the first time ever at Starcast. He will be on stage. He will be doing meet and greets. Uh, you need to make plans to join us. We're still not done. We've got plenty more big announcements coming, but we've also announced that right there at the fairgrounds, you've got Black Label Pro Wrestling getting us kicked off Friday afternoon, and uh, I've got gotten a peek at some of the talent that's confirmed for that. That's going to be a pretty special independent wrestling show. And then the leader in the space, when it comes to independent wrestling game changer wrestling, they're going to be running a late night show on Friday night, right after the roast. They've got John Moxley confirmed. They've got bandito confirmed and the hits just keep on coming. Uh, psycho clown, just a, a who's who of professional wrestling will be there doing meet and greets, doing, doing matches, doing panel discussions and really special opportunities. Like we're, we're recreating the six Oh five set that we all grew up on. Tony Schiavone and, and David Crockett are going to do commentary on that Jim Crockett show, uh, Ric Flair's last match, but also too, you can get your picture made in front of that set with the horseman. And I don't think they've all been on stage like this ever before. And realistically, this is probably the last time. What a special opportunity. Go check it out. Starcast.com. That's S T A R R C A S T.com. But boy, we've done so much shilling. I guess we should remind everybody we're here to talk about wrestling from way back when. But hold on. 
you know how we do at the top of the show. Connie, as uh, our, our pal JR would say, opening day, Robert Roberts Stadium, Springfield, Illinois. You know, we've chatted about this sometimes against your will. Started way back November, December, but opening days is Saturday. And man, it, it what an exciting week uh, we have here. So just want to give uh, lucky horseshoes are on the field and it's exciting time, pal. Very exciting town. So, all right, that's the baseball conversation, Conrad. We can move on now. Hey, before we do, I want to remind everybody, we've still got our figures out. Uh, if you haven't already go check it out. Uh, we're going to have links in the description. And of course we're going to be tweeting about it all the time, but I'm getting people posting pictures of their Conrad and Jeff action figures. And it's a little weird, dude. I can't believe this is it. <laughs> it's majorpodmerch.com. Uh, but this Friday for the first time ever, uh, partnering with our friends, uh, Mr. I almost said Zach Ryder, Matt Cardona and, uh, and Kurt Hawkins, or as we like to call him, Brian Myers, <laughs> yep. they, they're, they've partnered with us to create the first ever Jim Crockett promotions, wrestling figure, Rick wow. Flair in his retirement robe goes on sale this Friday at noon. There's only going to be 750 of these that are autographed. There'll be 250 that aren't autographed that will be released at a later date, but a total of a thousand and only 750 will be autographed. So if you're a big Ric Flair fan, a big figure collector fan, a big Jim Crockett promotions fan, this is one you don't want to miss. It goes on sale this Friday at ricflairslastmatch.com. And maybe if you're wow. in, in the mood for some old JCP merch, man, we got more than you can check a stick at over at starcastmerch.com. Uh, that is going to be pretty cool, man, because there haven't been people sporting Jim Crockett promotions stuff in public in like 30 years, and now it's going to happen. Speaking of merch, Conrad, you see this shirt I have on right now? Do you know it's the number one seller? I just, I thought I'd let you know that folks, uh, that are listening on audio. I am wearing my Los Cuatro Caballeros. So put that in your Smythe and poke it, pal. <laughs> I like it. Hey, by the way, don't forget, uh, we'll move on, but adfreecares.com is where you can pick that shirt up. It's the most affordable shirt you'll find at pro wrestling tees. All of our shirts are. And we keep zero of the money. I mean it. 100% of the proceeds goes directly to the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. We never even see it. We just have pro wrestling tees, cut the check directly to them every single month. So it's the best way to support the podcast and let the fans uh, or let other wrestling fans know that, hey, I like this show and I like St. Jude's. You can help somebody do something nice and represent maybe a podcast you enjoy. It's a cool thing for us, a cool thing for you, and a great thing for those families. So check it out adfreecares.com but now let's jump into it man we're going uh to the fairgrounds in nashville not the new one the old one uh that we used to call lovingly the asylum we're talking about a match that happened on june 2nd 2004 just to give you guys a heads up this is right before the debut on fox Sportsnet. and how we get to this particular show and the match we're talking about today, the very first ever King of the Mountain match is a pretty interesting story. Uh, a lot to unpack here, as I like to say. Let's jump into it. Here's a quote directly from the Observer. Jerry Jarrett underwent a four and a half hour quadruple heart bypass surgery on May 21st after a heart attack scare two days earlier while planning the weekly TNA pay-per-view. Jarrett in his early 60s was found to have major blockage in one artery, significant blockage in another, and some in two others. The scare took place at the national fairgrounds at about 3 PM. Jarrett was feeling lightheaded and fell back into a chair, complaining that he felt his heart racing. He was rushed to the hospital by Jimmy Hart and Burt Prentice. 
who they found at where they found a greatly accelerated heart rate. His heart rate was immediately put under control through medication. Jarrett, who had joked in an interview just a few weeks ago about his lifestyle, not being the healthiest for a man of his age came out of the surgery. Well, but was told he was going to have to take it easy for a few months. Jarrett noted that he wakes up running and doesn't stop and often only eats one meal per day and not until 6 PM. Besides being involved in TNA, Jared also runs a successful construction company. The pay-per-view that night was built around Jeff Jarrett interfering, hitting AJ Styles with a guitar shot that led to Styles being pinned by Ron Killings in a four-way that also involved Raven and Chris Harris and Killings got the NWA title. A backup plan was put into effect in case Jeff Jarrett wasn't going to be able to return to the building, but Jarrett did come back for the main event finish. What a story. I don't think you've ever talked about this. So from your perspective, what do you remember about that day when man, all of a sudden dad's in a bad spot? What a unique time. Like I said, when, when I came down the steps last night, Karen's like, wow, uh, you, you've been up there a while reading the research. I was literally trying to jog my brain on the timeline because these were the very last shows, uh, as far as the Wednesday night pay-per-views that we had, because like you said, we were going into transition. We were taking our, uh, you know, Fox sports show. So we were going to go down there. Uh, but man, we were on our, you know, last, I don't know, 10, 12, whatever, but we were coming to a close all these. So those days, you know, for, from the beginning, when we moved to the asylum, just a real skeleton crew, if you will, uh, limited budget, uh, everything that we've covered on, on the pod, um, but I just remember being, um, you'd have to kind of know, uh, structurally or geographically, but I was back in where we had our production office, uh, and they walked in the door and said, Hey man, your dad is, is not doing well. Come here. And I'm just like, you know, I could just tell by the look on the face. I've forgotten actually who the first person was, but back in those days, Tony Falk, uh, ran go position, obviously referees, Burke Prentice, uh, actually had the contract to the building, I, I, but I couldn't jog my brain out, but I just remember the look of panic, uh, and, and kind of sense like get over here. Jimmy Hart was, uh, on this particular Wednesday night, he was there. And it, by the time I got, you know, you know, what is it? 300 feet over there across the building and, and back around to go position. He was sitting in his chair, didn't look good. And next thing I know, I let's go. And so I had my personal keys in my pocket. They had already pulled up his car. And I believe, uh, Jimmy Hart was driving that. And anyway, it, it just kind of a, a mad whirlwind Conrad, Conrad, we headed and, um, j just, St. Thomas hospital in Nashville. Again, I would try to like, yeah, we went to St. Thomas, which was a little bit out of the way, but that's the best heart hospital in Nashville. So I, I should have called my dad to ask that. But anyway, we got over there and, um, I beat them over there by like 30 seconds. I mean, they pulled in almost right behind me, but, um, th but they pulled, you know, I par, I went into parking I, I and they went up to the emergency and I'm, as I'm running up the hill, they're, they're taking him in and, he, and then they, take him in and hook up everything. And just, I remember they didn't let us in the room, but you know, I heard overheard like his heart rate was like 180. Oh, wow. It, yeah. It was like, there's a word for it, but, but it, you know, not spasm, but something along those lines and man, they started giving him that medicine and 
immediately, which is still, when you see that medicine act that fast, he could almost start exhaling and feeling a little bit better and a little bit better. And so when everybody was around him and, and I, when I say medically, and they could, they felt like they were getting their hand around head around everything. Um, I guess I stayed there two hours and I'm kind of rolling through this, but Jimmy and Bert and I called Deborah, my stepmother, and however it was, it, it, it was all like, okay, if, if he hadn't had a heart attack, he's about to, but he's at the very best place, but he's definitely stabilized in the doctors. And then, you know, Jimmy Hart's like, do you want me to go back to the building? And Bert was like, y'all, you and Jimmy go, uh, I'll stay here. It was one of those kind of juggling acts. And then I go in and talk to my dad just for a minute. And he's like, you need to get on back over to the building. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't, I mean, it was, it was one of those things. I'm like, okay, if I stay, I'm damn sure going to stress him out. Cause he's going to know neither one of us are over there. And, and it's just kind of a catch 22, but anyhow, um, I do remember getting home late this night and obviously we stayed in contact through the day and people kept me posted. But I, I, I'm almost thinking to myself, we just did a two-hour show. What happened today? My, my dad had a major heart episode, and that felt like a year ago, but it was only a couple of hours. Um, but, you know, the doctors obviously sort of got their game plan and knew uh, the testing with the blockage and major blockage in one and a couple of blockages in other words, but Conrad, it's one of those days that everything kind of just runs together and, oh yeah, by the way, there's a two hour pay-per-view and here's, uh, but you know, as fate would have it, I wasn't scheduled to wrestle. Um, I was doing the run in and I just remember when I got back to the building, there was plan B and plan C sort of already put in place. Who would have been helping make that plan B and plan C and all that Russo. I, I'm trying to think, um, I, I, but Russo, because Dutch was back in Puerto Rico to my best of recollection and, uh, Scott Demore was helping out, but I, 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 I would guess that Russo, Jeremy Borash, Scott Demore, uh, probably some talent got together, uh, killings road dog and Conan wh- whoever collectively some, some senior, uh, veterans, so to speak. Uh, but Russo was running point would be my best recollection. Again, man, a lot of this runs together because of the, my father's health situation on this episode. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what the relationship dynamic is like. Are you and your dad, you know, pretty tight here or are things starting to get a little rocky just personally? Where are you guys? It, it, incredibly stressed in like we see each other on Wednesdays and we kind of talk, you know, throughout the week, but it's just through the roof stress. Um, I just something, saw something on uh, Instagram earlier today uh, uh, about how our mind can cause physiological effects and everything that went with it. So high stress, um, you know, to, to kind of put a little timeline, uh, on this from, from an outgoing deal is that we had brought a potential new investor to the table. Um, the Carters didn't want anything to do with that gentleman. Uh, and so, okay, we're going to move forward. The Fox sports deal, 
uh, as we've covered here, go back in the archives, you know, it was a, uh, you know, it was a, a paid situation. So our expenses, I say all this to say, me and my father knew better than anybody. Our expenses are about to go up quite a bit, uh, because not only are we paying to be on TV, um, but we're, we're doing a, another, um, production. So we were doing two a week plus travel plus being paid. So the stress of our financial partners, uh, making it even a more investment weight on both of us. And then of course, family situation, um, on, on all sides. So, you know, we, we were, we had a relationship. It wasn't like it got where we completely, uh, disconnected from each other, but it was very, very stressful. Conrad. I'm just wondering, you know, it's moments like that. And you had obviously been dealing with, with some stuff with your wife sort of on off and on for a bit. Uh, she's still with us here in this era, but you know, at this point, you know, how, how, how stressed and, and tough things have to be with this new business. But at the same time, your dad having this health event like this really brings clarity to what's important. And the idea that you're there and he's still saying, oh, you got to go back to the show. <laughs> you're, you're in a, you're in a tough spot where it's sort of damned if you do damned, if you don't. Right. Yeah. And that's old promoter fellow promoter. Now, no, you're not going to uh, experience the craziness, but yeah, that, that was, you know, the, 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 the emotion, uh, the nonverbal communication, I've got a great book I'm reading Conrad. I'll share offline, but anyway, the nonverbal communication that went on with everybody from the time that I was told in the production room hey your dad's not doing good it, it, it's it's a different tone it's not like he's uh, <laughs> had a had a bad fish sandwich or something like that like he's not doing good and that whole tone and then walking across the asylum in the arena to, to go to him and, and he's sitting there and they're already pulling the car up and we don't have time to waste and what's really going on and and that already thought thought through Ambulance ain't going to get here quick enough. Let's go. His car's right there. All those little things. It just kind of puts that so many things in perspective, like just boom, there, there it is. And, and, you know, you don't even think about, yeah, we won't, that's probably what you're thinking, but you know, when you really cut away all the BS and clutter of life, you, you know, you don't want to regret, but you live and learn, but you, you, you know, you just think, man, what's really important here. Yeah. <laughs> is it who loses tonight or, um, the, the, the flow show, the, the show of the flow or whatever else trivial BS that we would argue about who's getting this win or who's getting this loss or who's getting pushed or not. These kind of moments certainly clarify everything. Well, and it was in the observer, you know, it was reported that, uh, your dad admitted he didn't have the healthiest lifestyle and, and maybe that's an important first step for a lot of us. And that's why I know Jeff and I started taking AG one from athletic greens. Uh, this has been a game changer for us I, Jeff. I know you've tried a bunch of different supplements over the years, but it's hard to find the stuff that works that actually tastes good. You know, like some of that stuff, woof, just foul, but man, I've been using AG one for a while now. My wife and I got to tell you. I'm feeling better than ever. And what I know that I like about this is it's just one scoop of AG one. And then you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. Right. 
you got a special blend of ingredients here to support gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your aging, your recovery, all the things. Uh, I like it because unlike some of the other stuff Megan's had me try, Hey man, this stuff doesn't taste half bad and it's really easy. You know, we're talking one scoop in a glass of water and you're good to go. This is a perfect way to start your day and it's lifestyle friendly, man. Whether you're trying to eat keto or paleo or vegan or dairy free or gluten free, they work with AG one. Check this out. You've got one less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial, anything. And it still tastes good. It's also going to support better sleep quality and recovery. It's going to support mental clarity and alertness. And it's the one thing with the best things. We're talking athletic greens using the best of the best products based on the latest science. They're constantly doing different product iterations and testing with third parties. And it's also very affordable. I should mention it costs you less than three bucks a day and you're investing in your health. That's cheaper than your old cold brew habit. It's cheaper than all the other different supplements you've been trying. And you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance here. But don't take our word for it. Check it out. They've got over 7,000 five-star reviews at Athletic Greens. And that's why we recommend you take it. You check it out, man. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health. Arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look after your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash myworld. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash myworld to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And, uh, boy, that's half the battle right there, is it not, Jeff? Conrad, here's what I say to any folks out there that just kind of want to go, you know, Jeff and Conrad, they, 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 they're getting paid for this somehow, some way it's an advertisement. Here's what I challenge you to do. Cause I did this to my family. Go read the data on who formulated all this. And then you make the, just, just do that. And if you don't like it, but I'm telling you, when you kind of look at Nothing solves a problem like someone who has experienced uh, gut health or whatever. I'm telling you, it's it's a uh, it's the real deal. It is the real deal. Speak very highly of it. We can't recommend it enough. Go check it out right now. Just take a look. As our old pal Jim Ross says, it costs nothing to look. We want you to look right now. Athleticgreens.com forward slash my world. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. So let's talk about this same show. It's almost like a cursed show here. Sanjay Dutt gets into a car accident on the way to the airport. And then during the main event of the show where AJ styles is defending his NWA title in a four way, you come out with a guitar and smash AJ bust him open. I guess, you know, on, on the one hand, this feels like a pretty crazy day, but on another hand, it's just another day in the promoter's life, huh? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Um, uh, come in. Not to not to sidebar here, um, if we really want to dig this up, but do you believe in 
kind of the full moon effect. Like if there's a full moon, like the emergency rooms are fuller and kind of something's in the air and no, I don't, but I know a lot of people who do. Um, okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with those people. So but I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of them. No, you don't believe in the gravitational pull of, of life that I, anyhow, I, I know some people who are like, boy, my neck hurts. Let me put this magic crystal on it. And, and so I don't judge that either. It's like, you know, I, I'm not going by that, but there are, is data that shows that emergency rooms are busier on nights of full moon. When you go out past, you know, when you look at all the data, I, I'll say all that to say when shout out Derek, when you did, the, when you did the research, my father, AJ Styles, look, all this can happen. Sanjay Dutt had a car wreck at this time. I believe he was finishing up school. Um, it, it just, it was, it was kind of like a, a wacky Wednesday, if you will. But, uh, we had lots of wacky Wednesdays. In this are, are, you <laughs> like say, you said, are you saying it was a full moon that day? I'm saying I'd love to do a little research and find out if, uh, may, whatever the dates we are, was that a full moon? I, seriously, th- th- I mean, oh, don't shake your head. I lo- you're shaking I, your head. I love you, like, Jeff. Los Quatro Caballeros. I just didn't think you were one of those people, but now I know. Let me ask you something, just to do a little another sidebar. Do you think Rick will sign this shirt for me? No. No, I'm sure he it's will. A- if you got a hundred and a quarter, I think that's what autographs <laughs> cost now. If you got a hundred and a quarter, I'll get you to the front of the line with a platinum bracelet. Don't worry. Oh. Hey, by the way, Jeff Jarrett's going to be there. We should mention, I know that everybody's wondering, okay, I know we can keep doing the podcast, but well, turns out he had already agreed to be at Starcast. So ha ha come see Jeff while you still can Starcast. Oh, I can't wait, pal. I can't wait. So here's an interesting gimmick. Here we go. The new thing is apparently to come up with new stipulation matches every week. The problem is if you come up with a new one every other month, it can mean something. But when you do it weekly, it almost guarantees nobody will care about any of them. This week was killings title win, which wasn't a regular four way. It was a deal where styled started against Harris for five minutes. And then Raven joined him at that point. And at the 10 minute mark killings joined him. The nature of the match kind of guaranteed that there couldn't be a finish for 10 minutes. The match was missing something in that there were spectacular moves, but it didn't hold together all that well. It had the ref being out of the spot for when Jeff interfered and hit uh, AJ with a guitar shot. Raven DDT styles, but then Harris makes the save. Harris drops the elbow off the top onto styles, but killings pulls the referee, Rudy Charles out of the ring. So he couldn't count. And then killings uses an ax kick off the top rope and pin styles in 1912. Vince Russo came out to tease overruling the decision while referee Andrew Thomas was pointing to the broken guitar pieces all over the ring, which I guess would count as some sort of evidence. And Russo then decreed he was upholding the killings win. So a different gimmick every week. And I know a lot of people hear that and think, oh, this is that Russo stuff. But in fairness, a different gimmick every week is pretty Memphis because once upon a time you had the exact same fans coming back every single week. And how many times can we see Mr. Dundee versus Mr. Lawler? Well, about 52 times a year, just with different stipulations every time. Right, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, every week, I think that's uh, doing a little fiction writing there. But, you know, uh, at this stage of the game, um, or really even at the beginning stage of the game, Wednesday night pay-per-view, get creative. It's not like we can bring in an endless supply of known talent that's going to move the needle. Or, or, Or for that matter, 
would you even want to do that? So yes, we, what we tried to do is, and when you kind of look at the of the asylums, saw Jim Doug, Kurt Henning, Road Warrior. I mean, just week after week after week after week, we tried to have surprises with established stars, maybe do a two-week or a three-week or a four-week. We're going to get into a Dusty Rhodes conversation here in a little while that was much more of a mainstay. But we wanted to uh, let people tune in and see stars that they had known. But as far as the nuts and bolts of the matches, yes, we we had our tags and six-mans and, you know, whatever me uh something on the pole or somebody in the corner, but I always try to challenge myself first and others. What can we do that is not too far out of bounds and too crazy, but how can we be innovative? I I think at TNA that that was one of my constant things, guys, they, that we're, we've got to do something different. We got to do something new. And of course, you know, you don't always bat a thousand when you're trying this, but we did want to, we did try to be innovative. And that's really the thing that led to, as we we're going to get to here in a little while, the king of the mountain concept. So let's talk about this styles, uh, cut here. It's in the torch here that AJ's pretty pissed off quote. AJ styles was upset with Jeff Jarrett because of the cut he received from Jarrett's guitar shot. Although styles quickly calmed down wrestlers point out that Jarrett has a history of being reckless with guitar and chair shots. One incident that wrestlers recalled was when Jarrett split open D'Lo Brown's head on a TNA pay-per-view. So I have to admit, I've heard you called everything but your name, but I've never heard anyone say that you were reckless and that you were dangerous. In fact, I've heard other famous bald wrestlers with goatees say that (laughs) you were so soft that you could run the ropes and not even break an egg. So this to me is like, wait a minute, what? Um, do you remember AJ in particular being upset that you, uh, cut him open here? Look, kudos to whoever wrote that as far as selling uh, newsletters, it makes for a better read, but I've been accused, like you said, of a lot of things, but careless is not one of them. I've never heard that ever. Maybe the appearance of reckless, and I did that by design, like this guy's kind of lost it or gone crazy. But I'll say this about AJ. As a very young man, he always had it together. He 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 he's 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 not even a young 20-something year old, he's not a hothead. Would you uh see him from time to time? Yep, he'll get really upset and angry. Never cuss word, but he, all that. So I'm sure AJ, you know, having to get back in his car and drive back to Atlanta, didn't exactly care, uh, for, uh, 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 busted open head, but he had all the right in the world to get a little aggravated, a little angry or a lot angry, <clears throat> but it was never one of those things that he came through the curtain looking for a fight. So I don't recall. I'm sure he was upset though. By the way, that bald-headed wrestler with a goatee, uh, who maybe people remember a couple of stories we've told here, has gone on <laughs> to do just fine. Uh, now, as a matter of fact, he has a television show called The Broken Skull Sessions. And as luck would have it, this Friday, you're going to be on that program. So if you've got the WWE Network or you got Peacock or what have you, we want you to go out of your way to check out Jeff and Stone Cold Steve Austin, yes, in 2022, having a conversation and, uh, that ought to be kind of fun, man. This Friday, huh? Conrad, have you seen the two Instagram posts 
that I put up. He's flipping me a bird. Yes. I'm flipping him. Yes. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. L- lots of likes on that. We had a lot of fun. I'll just say that kind of, and I got more coming this week, but that kind of summed up. It was, um, man, when you got, especially the way Steve and, um, you know, he has his notes there. I mean, he literally went from day one when we met late eighties in Texas. So when you talk about all the water under the bridge, it was a blast, a lot of fun, beautiful place he has out West. So flying out to the broken skull session set was really cool. This Friday, uh, it drops number one show outside of their premium stuff, but, uh, he has a highly rated, uh, show. Chat me up. Uh, I'm just trying to, to piece this together here. Who has better research? Our team or Stone Cold Steve Austin personally for his show? Conrad, see how you are. I'm just asking questions. No, and everybody, I didn't actually get to put my hands on um, his research. research. So uh, that's, um, I'm shooting blind here. The one thing is he, he, Steve covered 30 years. So a lot of top line. We collaborated on a couple of things. Um, it's going to be interesting uh, if it makes the cut, but um, that we were talking about guitar shots. And I said, they, they had mentioned a few. And I said, Oh man, Beetlejuice and Gary Coleman. Th- those, those are for some entertaining. So I, they may or may not make it. Um, but I, I'll just say this very candidly. Conrad, the team you have put together, research, social media, ad sales, they're second to none. But Derek does an incredibly thorough job. And I get comments when I do the autograph signings like, hey, man, how the hell does Conrad know? And I go, now, wait a minute. (laughs) He's got a researcher too. No, it's uh, Derek and the team do a very, very good job. So uh, our team has better research. It's so in-depth. It really, really is. Uh, Yeah. Well, let's no just respect to the broken skull team, but <clears throat> our team has the best research. I appreciate that. Hey, so yeah. chat me up about, uh, Ron killings here. Uh, Wade would write the decision to give the belt to Ron killings was puzzling to a number of people. TNA gave him an early run with the belt and he quickly lost steam after he won the belt. And he has only recently regained the popularity he achieved prior to winning the title. It turns out Vince Russo and Scott DeMore made a strong and successful push to convince Jeff Jarrett and Dutch Mantell to give Ron Killings the NWA title win on Wednesday night. Ron didn't find out until the day of the show he was winning the title. He was said to be frustrated when wrestlers warned him that his title reign would likely be a short one since everyone expects Jeff Jarrett to win the title either before the show debuts on FS or shortly thereafter. So a lot to unpack here, as I like to say. Boy, is there. When I first saw Ron Killings uh, at the TNA show, the debut show, which, believe it or not, is 20 years ago this month here in June. It was right down the hill for me. You've been to my house. We have to pass the arena to get here. And I got to just putt-putt down the road and go see TNA and thought, man, this is going to be special. We broke it down in our archives. Go watch that first episode and and, and relive that. But my takeaway that night was one of them. Hey, man, Ron Killings is going to be a big star. And I, f- I felt solid in that he was going to be one of the pillars of your promotion and a tippy top guy. And all these years later, he's still wrestling and making a great living and entertaining and putting smiles on faces, but it didn't happen exactly as I would have maybe imagined it might in June of Oh two. Here we are a couple years later though. 
and we're putting the belt back on him. And those negative Nancy's who say, oh, well, Jeff's going to do this or Jeff's going to do that. I don't know, man. It's pretty cool to have a, an NWA heavyweight championship run, even if it is short lived. I don't think Tommy Rich or Kerry Von Eric will disagree with that either. And this was his second goal run. Yes. And I cannot jar my head for the life of me that knowing that we were coming on Fox sports and I know my philosophy and mentality that it's, it's literally like you're starting a book, starting a movie. And I believe in establishing storylines, it's much easier and more productive and more lucrative to start with a heel champion. And then you immediately identify the folks that are going to chase it and kind of listen to the crowd and kind of look at things as they go. And one of them's going to pop out of the break, but go with that heel. You can establish a heel quicker. You can establish his, you know, character traits and everything that go with it. But while we went from AJ to Ron and what the decision was made, me, my father, everybody internally were really, we love Ron and his athleticism. I think people, I mean, you look at him today and he's still, moves just like he did 20 years ago, which is kind of amazing to me, but he does. Um, but you, you know, his charisma and at this point, uh, Conan and BG, uh, were, were the three live crew. They were working with him. So I, I wish I could really recall, um, maybe we can do an ad free special on, and bring somebody back that can help us sort of navigate these waters. But, um, Ron Killen's, could all you could always put the belt on him and he elevated things uh his charisma he could talk he could rap he could work though a really special talent um do you remember russo and scott trying to uh convince you and dutch that this was the right call or were you just not sold on ron before or well the, the thing is reading it back with no, again, no real, there's sometimes when I read the research that I'm absolutely positive that this is why this happened. This is why this happened. I don't know if maybe AJ couldn't be there the following week. He was going on vacation. I don't know why we wanted to transition it. And again, maybe the sheet writers that the, the, they got a little bit of information and said, Hey, we had to do a hard sell on Dutch and, and, and Jeff. I, I don't, I just don't recall why we made that move. I don't recall them hard selling. I, I don't, here's what kind of, if anything, if you just take a step back and look, the hard selling would be me and Dutch hard selling Vince on Ron Killings. I, I, and I don't say that out of disrespect at all. Um, and, and maybe it's not even a hard sell events, but I just don't recall that at all. It's, uh, it's just fun to go back and think about how these things got booked. Uh, yeah. considering all this, it's also interesting as the torch has this to say, Vince Russo issued a statement on the internet to announce that he's going to ministry school in Colorado. He was telling friends backstage that he plans to continue working for TNA. Although no one seems sure whether his school schedule will force him to give up his current on air role. Uh, did Russo tell you about this plan? Does this hit you out of left field? Talk me through this. You know, he, when he first came to work, uh, for us, he was living in Atlanta. And then I could remember him telling me I'm moving to Colorado, bro. And I said, you, you're doing what? <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's out West, pal. 
I just love the mountains. And he's still there. So hats off to Vinny Rue for uh, picking up his bag. And the brash uh, New Yorker moves from New York to Atlanta. And then, you know, often Dixie. And, and at times early, I'd just say, move to Nashville. What's tying you well? Will his kids, you know, we're in high school and I got all that. But then all of a sudden, he's going to move from Atlanta, not to Nashville, but to Colorado. So now you're going to be flying in from out there. But um, the seminary, you know, I didn't pry into that, dig into that. But I do recall that was the announcement. And at the time, that's was kind of his mindset. It's uh it's a really cool thing to read about and see, you know, that somebody's, uh, I don't know, trying something new and Mm -hmm. I dig that before we talk about the King of the mountain concept, because that's really what we're here for. Uh, I want to remind everybody that we're actually, uh, friends with, uh, Mr. Nick Aldis and Nick Aldis has, has, a a side gig, if you will. I'm talking about legacysups.com. Check this out guys. We have a problem. Recent studies have shown that testosterone levels are falling in American men. Low T is linked to depression, low sex drive, weight gain. So it's important to stay on top of it. You could go to a TRT clinic, but it's expensive, awkward. And in most cases, not necessary. You just need to stimulate your body's own natural testosterone production. And that's why we recommend you check out the ultimate test stack at LegacySubs.com. The majority of testosterone release occurs while you sleep which is why the ultimate test stack is the best natural test boost system available today. Test X nine stimulates testosterone. T assist controls estrogen and recovery PM gives you the best night's sleep you've ever had. You're going to feel like a new man after trying the ultimate test stack for 30 days. If you don't believe me, check out all the verified five-star reviews from satisfied users, just like yourself. And because legacies are friends of the show here, you can save 10% off your entire order at legacysups.com with the promo code MYWORLD. That's L-E-G-A-C-Y-S-U-P-P-S dot com. It's time to level up with Legacy. That's LegacySubs.com to get 10% off your entire order when you use the promo code MYWORLD. But Jeff, let's jump into the whole King of the Mountain concept. Like, in case you're not familiar with this concept, can you explain to someone who is listening to this podcast but did not watch, how would you break down and describe the king of the mountain match man conrad if i could tell you the amount of times in 2011 12 and 13 we're talking 2004 right now yeah four four yeah well we in 405 oh we're, we're in 04 yeah, yeah yeah so seven years later i'll call it during the hogan era because at that point I mean, it's, it's almost like something that they kind of latched on to all oh, these gimmick matches. Don't, I don't even know the rules to this. And I can hear Russo, bro, I've been doing it for years and I still don't understand kind of silliness. It's a reverse ladder match. And with that being said, you take the belt and you hang it. You got to climb a ladder and you got to hang it on the rung, the same type of rung, uh, that traditional ladder matches, uh, are, uh, you know, are, are used. And a lot of people say, now, wh- why, why did you come up with that? Why did you think through all that? And I said, it's kind of simple. I always thought 
and this may be overthinking, maybe some of my OCD, Conrad, but as a champion going into a traditional ladder match, it's like the the, the, the champion has to relinquish the belt and we're going to go hang it. It's it's kind of like maybe the belt could be held up, so hold the, uh, hold, hold the belt up. It's one of those... Th- those situations, but a traditional ladder match. And I thought to myself, okay, how can we kind of do something innovative? People love ladder matches, people, all the stunts and falls and uh, everything that's been covered on all your podcasts. And there's some fantastic ladder matches, you know, uh, my favorite one or still up there at the very top is Sean razor at WrestleMania 10. But that being said, a reverse ladder match and with multiple people in it. So as we sort of drilled it down, I said, okay, I don't want to do an elimination, but, but what can we do to basically kind of take it another step? And so to get qualified to hang the belt, you got to get a pinfall. If you get a pinfall, all right, what are we going to do with that guy that got pinned? Uh, he can, he can't jump up and go steal the belt and run right to the top. If you got the belt. So we have a small penalty box at ringside. And so if you get pinned, the guy who gets the pin is qualified to uh, hang the belt. And the guy who got pin does two minutes in the penalty box and that's it. Okay. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> how do you remember this, uh, this coming to be? I mean, this, this feels old school Memphis, uh, but I, I know a lot of our listeners assume, Oh, this is Russo's idea. Set the record straight to the best of your recollection. Whose idea was idea. this? My idea, uh, you know, the King of the mountain that we kind of worked into with episodically in the asylum. And therefore, while I was wearing a tuxedo and, and just kind of went down that, not the traditional, like King, the King, uh, Jerry, the King Lawler, King Carl Fergie, King Harley race, King Haku. I mean, you know, all the different Kings through the, through the years, just a kind of a little different slant and we went with king of the mountain and so i don't know who who said something in um in creative but hey what about a king of the mountain match and i just remember hearing that and i go i've always wanted to do or somehow some way figure out a reverse ladder match the the fact that you climb to the ladder and bring the belt down and as i already mentioned that it kind of feels uh, rightly or wrongly that okay the champion has to relinquish his title and he's okay. It's hung up on a gimmick, but so I, I wanted to do the reverse ladder match, uh, concept. And then we layered in, okay, if you're going to have two or three people in it, how does the belt, you know, who, who determines who can take that belt and win? And once the, the belt goes, comes into play is after a win after a pinfall, excuse me. So, so it's me, Conrad. I'm, I'm glad to know that we can point the finger at you. <laughs> yes. We're, we're also talking, we mentioned too, we're, we're going to start the new era of TNA, the debut on Fox sports net. We recently talked about this in the archives, but boy, there's a whole lot going on here. I mean, let's just recap briefly. We're creating the King of the mountain match. We're flirting with some new potential investors. Um, we're going to be doubling up our taping schedule. We're going to continue at least for now, the Wednesday night pay-per-view, but now we're starting on TV and Oh, by the way, dad just had a heart attack. Uh, so a lot going on here. Um, there's also something it mentioned in the observer that the plan was to make sure you were going to be the first champion when the FSN show debuts. And that's why the title went from AJ to Ron to you 
the idea being maybe you didn't want to cut AJ's momentum off at the knees. So Ron is going to be a, a stopgap, a transitional champion, if you will. And then you get the belt is the thinking being you had been on mainstream television and they were familiar with you. Is it the old Vern Gagne, Larry Zabisco? Well, I ain't leaving. So that's safe for me to be the guy holding the belt. Why was it important? Do you think for the promotion that you were the champ when the show started? Established heel, uh, and, and it right at the top of the deal again, still at this point, cause we hadn't started FSN. We were one day a week for gas. Yeah. There's no way anybody would sign exclusivity. Why would they? Yeah. At the very top of the reason it was because I knew that I was heavily invested and I was coming back, uh, just that simple. So from there, let's talk about something else that happens. Vince McMahon does an interview in Toronto for the score TV network. And when he was asked about TNA, he shunned him off saying they're wrestling. We're entertainment. And there were people internally who actually wanted to use that as a marketing slogan within the TNA organization, quoting Vince McMahon. I love that. What'd you think of that idea? We used it internally to the in demands of the world, to marketing folks. We used it a lot. I loved it. I, 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 it's like, guys, lean into that. Embrace yeah. that. He literally just told the world the greatest promoter in the history, to me, of all forms of entertainment. We're talking about promoter. Yeah. He just identified the differences and embrace it. Run with it. Um, There's not a promoter that's close, I wouldn't imagine. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dana you, White has, oh, fuck off. Dana, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dana White has done a tremendous job, but just the legacy of, of WrestleMania forward. Uh, I don't think, I don't think it's debatable that he's the greatest promoter, but when he comes out and says they're wrestling, we're entertainment. I'm like me, just knowing you now, not knowing you back then, but knowing you now, I bet your arm here stood up and you're like, well, that's it. Thanks for the, Guys, yeah. Get the t-shirt, get the branding, get the marketing decks. We, because again, and, and look, it's, it's obviously evolved over the years, but in a lot of ways, it was the big guys. I don't want to say heavyweights, but basically the big guys and all the rest at this time in, uh, you know, the WWE, there were divas. Um, but you know, again, we're 0405, the Eddie Guerrero and, and that cycle had, had really, I think we're getting going there, but I mean, you know, you can see it was, we were the four distinct, our, our, our knockouts there weren't there yet, but look, I embraced the exhibition. I, I wanted those guys to literally be pos positioned as equals as heavyweights and tags. Uh, so yeah, lean all the way in to what the chairman said in so many ways, internationally, all of that. We leaned into that. So what does that actually mean? You know, what, what, okay, let, let us show you. And we would have our clip reel of high flying stuff and Matt stuff and Lucha Libre, but we leaned into it with sizzle reels. So here's another report from the torch that I know we're going to have a little fun with Jimmy Hart was backstage at the May 19th pay-per-view. He sat on a meeting as part of TNA management with Bob Ryder and Tim Welch timeout. Who is Tim Welch? Timbo slice. Tim Welch is a weekly listener, but no, to go back in time, Tim, 
uh, is now a vice president in banking in Springfield, Illinois. So I know I'm jumping ahead, but, uh, he'll be out at opening day. So I, I work with him, uh, often now, but back in those days, um, he came down and started as an intern and worked his way up. Uh, what well, worked his way? I mean, he was, uh, my right-hand man. Uh, he, he assisted Bob Ryder. He assisted Jeremy Borash. He was kind of a, um, a point guy that, that he was everyone's assistant and did it very, very well. He was, you know, he, he wasn't per se a wrestling guy. Didn't want to put on boots and tights. You know, he, he'd had no, uh, desire to, to be, uh, in production or in ring. He wanted to learn the office work of wrestling from day one. So, uh, you can see where his career took him into banking smart man, but, uh, no, Tim, uh, was assistant to all in our lean and mean days. What was Jimmy Hart doing with the company officially? Nothing officially Jimmy, uh, you know, goes back, uh, him and my father had a relationship, um, late seventies, early eighties. And you know, the, the Lawler, Jimmy Hart storyline is probably, I know you can put Bill Dundee in the conversation, but at the end of the day, the most lucrative storyline in, in Jarrett enterprises history is Lawler against Hart and his guys. And so that's how far back, uh, Jimmy goes with the family and, um, the, you know, the XWF didn't take off. And so Jimmy, we couldn't afford Jimmy full time and Hogan wasn't doing so much with anything with WWE. So we would bring Jimmy in from time to time up on Wednesdays. He was in, instrumental in the original, um, probably at this time, Conrad, uh, on this show, why was he up? Because, uh, he was the original conduit to universal studios because he had worked most recently, uh, with the team there. Let's, uh, let's keep the report going here. The meeting was held to formally present the wrestlers with new independent booking contracts that will enable the company to book the wrestlers on indie shows while collecting a 15% booking fee. The reaction of these contracts is mixed is mixed as wrestlers who had steady work on the indie scene are concerned that they will now lose money while others who couldn't find work are happy. They'll conceivably work more often. One concern is that wrestlers who turn down indie bookings arranged by the office will end up with heat with management. There was a case recently where one wrestler turned down a potential booking from the office. The wrestler later told friends that he was unhappy with the payoff he would have received and was not interested in traveling to the site of the indie show. He also said he felt pressured by the office to accept the booking, although he eventually talked his way out of it. So do you remember there being some backlash or pushback about, Hey guys, we're going to help y'all get some extra work, but we're taking a cut. It was such a difficult. Yes, I do remember backlash. And it was like, if we're going to put like man hours toward helping guys get booked, because we were getting calls. Now at this time, again, we'd been on the air a year, year and a half, two years coming up. And, and so we got a lot of calls. Hey, is AJ styles or team Canada? Are they available? And so we, we knew that work was beginning to be cultivated off of the Wednesday night exposure. Not that everybody was watching on Wednesday night, but just the fact that, Hey, he's the X division champion. He's in the X division or whatever it may be. So it just, we began to get all those calls. And so how do we sort of navigate this? I was obviously saw both sides of that, that it's just so damn hard 
that uh, this talent, we're offering them one day a week. <clears throat> and now if we get you a booking, we're going to take a little cut of that. It was challenging. Uh, yes, there was blowback, but for the most part, Bob uh, and look, Jimmy could talk from authority, especially coming from the music business. There's always a booking fee. It's commonplace in music or acting or anything like that. An agent gets a little bit. So we were serving as their booking agent, but kind of a new concept in wrestling in those days. So here's another report from the observer. Jarrett has decided against giving Conan his release. So he's staying. It was said to be kind of embarrassing for him since the week earlier, he told everyone he was getting his release and told everyone goodbye. I know you've had some challenging conversations over the years with Conan. I think a lot of folks have read the reports, but we've never heard about any of this from you. What was the Conan situation like here in 04? It sounded like he was looking for a release. You granted it and then changed your mind. We just, just as of late been chatting quite a bit, me and him. Uh, we often chuckle about, um, back in the day, our low points, so to speak, but I never remember it getting to this point, but look, Conan again, he's a veteran, like a mega, I mean, a mega star in Mexico and he'd come off his run with WCW and look, business was tough. Hate to be repetitive, but one day a week doesn't do a lot. I don't ever remember Conan actually saying, I'm getting my release by guys. I don't remember that, but I know that there were ups and downs and he was just, just, just warning the, the you know, I'm doing one day a week. I'm f- flying from California. Uh, it is what it is. His hip gave him a lot of trouble or it began to give him a little trouble during this time. And he, you know, so his, the physical toll was on his body. Um, yeah, but, uh, seeing the research of this, look, it was a challenging time for all, especially veterans during this transition. It's, uh, the winds of change are here. Here's another report from the observer. Shane Douglas looks to be moving from talent role to working as an agent and doing backstage interviews. Terry Taylor was back. So he's officially been rehired. Jerry Lynn was also hired to be an agent, although he'll continue wrestling. So you got a lot of staff behind the scenes. Are you making those type calls? Yes. And, and look, adding to the team, as you can tell, uh, with my father's stress, the, the Carters, you know, were like, I, what do we need to grow this? And, you know, it was kind of an overarching thing that I, we got to make an investment on exposure and TV. Um, a lot of times it was me and Scott Demore that literally, and I would wrestle. I didn't have agents. I didn't have producers, whatever you want to call them. It was me and Scott. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Vince came on board, but Vince was a talent as well. And so we're like, we need to kind of broaden our staff. And so Shane being multi-talented and, and, and a veteran and had been around the business, same with Jerry Lynn. Um, Hey guys, we, we need your help because we need to delegate. Uh, I can remember often having those conversations, um, with, with Dixie. Oh, you just got to delegate Dixie. Who the hell am I going to delegate to? You got to have bodies to delegate to. Right. And then we went through all that. So let's, uh, let's talk about the breakdown of the pay-per-view here. This is the TNA pay-per-view number 97. Just to remind everybody, we're still doing weekly Wednesday night shows. This is the 97th one. It went down on June 2nd, 2004, and they would have some clips air from the previous shows to get us started. And then they introduced Mike Tanay and Don West, uh, and they throw to Scott Demore cheerleading his team, Canada, 
Of course, Scott did a fantastic job there. We know these days he's still running the show for impact, but since we mentioned him, I feel like now's as good a time as any for us to send a little love to Mr. Don West, uh, who recently had some not so great news and, uh, there's a whole new round of support for his GoFundMe. We would love for you to at least throw that in your Google machine, Don West, GoFundMe, uh, and you'll see that the original $40,000 goal has been exceeded. We're at 43,000 and change, but. Boy, he's uh, doubling down on his fight, and a little more would not be the worst thing. So check it out. Don West, GoFundMe. What a great guy. It feels a little weird to me. I mean, I know you worked with him forever and ever, amen, but it's a little weird for me that he's not going to be at StarCast. He's been at all four, running our merch stand, couldn't imagine doing it without him. But, man, he's, uh, he's having a match of another type right now, and we sure are pulling for him. Conrad, I talked to him Sunday in uh, a tough conversation. I'll just say that. But um, he referenced Starcast, and I got a giggle out of him, and he got a giggle out of me. And it, again, a, a tough conversation. But uh, uh, you know, uh, we talked, and I said, "Look, me and Conrad will discuss this on air. I, we, we will." Man, it's just life is, is tough, but he is a tough son of a gun. Like you said, he didn't get the best of news, but, uh, folks, if you, uh, and I'm a huge believer in the power of prayer, um, send a prayer up for D dub. He is going through a challenging time and, and, uh, yeah, that, that first time in, uh, Chicago at that star cast, I remember, um, your team kind of, uh, like Don used to do th their jaws dropped a little bit. Didn't they Conrad? Like you sold what to who yeah, yeah. and how many? <laughs> <laughs> oh, D dub. Love you. D dub. Go ahead. Oh gosh. <laughs> Such a good dude. Go check it out guys. Don West, go fund me. He needs our help and, and boy, he deserves it. We, uh, we just think a lot of him and his family and excited to see him beat this thing and come out the real king of the mountain. There you go. Uh, so match number one that night is Bobby Roode. Yes. That Bobby Roode from WWE and Petey Williams, or as he's called as a producer these days for WWE Pete, uh, he's going to go ahead and pick up a win over Jerry Lynn and heavy metal. That's right. Heavy metal, man. What a loaded roster you guys have here. Showtime. Eric young, who's a part of team Canada is going to knock out Lynn with a hockey stick from behind, uh, metal. <laughs> Dave would say metal really stunk up the place with his bad selling, especially with his quick recoveries and lack of appropriate facial reactions. Otherwise an entertaining tag match with a good forwarding of the Lynn Demore feud one star. So he didn't love heavy metal, but team Canada was a real bright spot in this era. Was it not Conrad? Uh, and you know, I just to touch on heavy metal. When I read that, I chuckled, look, he's kind of working, working the Lucha style, which isn't the, 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 the American style of so much selling, so to speak as the, the team Canada, but team Canada, I absolutely loved him. I think Scott, he, that, you know, again, the, the, the most successful talent, I believe going back generation to generation, generation, is when they're playing an extension of their personality. Scott had a personal relationship with Petey, Pete, Bobby, Eric, 
A1 back in the day. I mean, uh, Johnny Devine, but all of Team Canada. He also trained them and was quasi-agent or an agent for some of them at the time. And it, that group of Canadians, and it came across on TV, and all of their Oh Canada, it just they they gelled and man, just I can't say enough good about when you looked at the roster, they were the glue in so many places during, especially during this solemn and as the transition uh, down to Orlando. All none of them worked like each other. There were no bookends. There were no same same. They were all different, but man, they gelled and uh, a young. Robert Rude, Bobby Rude, good God almighty. Awesome. This is a good match, too. Go out of your way, folks. This episode is awesome. The next match is uh, another one of my favorites, man. The alpha male, Monty Brown. I love this guy. He's going to pick <laughs> up a win over Sonny Siaki, who I was convinced to know, too. This is like their rock. I was wrong on one of those accounts. They go seven minutes and five seconds. Nothing much was done to establish who was the heel or face a decent match overall, though with the usual good intensity from Brown and more urgency than usual from Siaki star and a half two T and a, as you would call them originals. This is a, a pretty good card so far. We don't spend a lot of time talking about Sonny Siaki, but such a major part of the beginning of TNA. What do you think? stops Sasaki or Sonny from being a, a bigger star and catching on more time. When I really think about Siaki and Monty, they're both greener and goosh, you know, I mean, just green. And I, I say that com- out of total respect, neither one of them were seasoned. You look at, you know, a lot of the talent that, uh, NXT or AEW that they just come up through the ranks. They've got quite a bit of time before, you know, these guys. And again, one day a week, they they weren't going to their training schools or getting up in the ring. You know, they're just not seasoned, but I believe opportunity and time were, were Sonny's uh, biggest challenges. Just the time he entered into the business as a young guy. Again, I this whole context is so hard for people nowadays to kind of connect because independent wrestling in 2004 or five is nothing like it is today. I mean, at all domestically or internationally. Let's uh, let's talk about what happens after the match. Glenn Gilberti and Johnny Swinger attack Siaki with a coconut and then put a straw skirt on him. Irish Pat Kenny made the save and then Trinity kicked him from behind. Desire then ran out to even the odds and whipped Trinity with a leather strap. This is a different time, boys and girls, but Glenn Gilberti, we know is Disco Inferno. You saw Johnny Swinger all over, including ECW. Uh, Irish Pat Kenny was also Simon Diamond. So a pretty loaded roster as far as names that wrestling fans were familiar with. Uh, This is uh, a pretty loaded roster. I mean, I don't know another way to say it, but here we are just three segments in. And it's a who's who kind of of who's not in the WWE, right? It's entertaining. I just kind of remember, um, we had broke out, um, swinger and, you know, Simon diamond, Johnny swinger and Irish Pat was a single guy. I loved it. Um, you know, I don't think Pat ever, I mean, yeah, he, he, I think he liked it somewhat, but I think he felt more comfortable in the role that he had done a while, but, um, 
Trinity and desire and yeah. Um, lots of entertainment going on, uh, in that segment, coconut and disco. Oh, disco's a character. He's something else on Twitter too. These days he oh, is. Let's not talk about that. I know he's, he's just too much. It's just like Hudson's going to interview AJ styles who said he considered himself the favorite in the King of the ring match because of his experience with ladders. Raven interrupts and asks Hudson why he's wasting his time interviewing a redneck. And then he attacks styles. We don't spend a lot of time talking about Scott Hudson, but man, I think he was uh, criminally underrated. You know, we often say a lot of times in business, especially when you're talking about success, boy, timing is everything, but what a talent he was and is. He's not underrated in my book. Yeah. Because Conrad, he's, he's one of those talents, super smart, his day job, um, with the federal government, I'll just say that. And so he worked it where he could come up on Wednesdays, uh, loves, loves the business. So dialed into it. Um, but in, in the, this time of TNA, we had so many young guys that, um, you know, they just weren't the best of talkers or might get a little nervous and, Hey, we're doing this live. Or if you gotta get you know, if we're going to do a pre-tape and Russo's going to have it do, have them do it three, four, five times. Scott had the disposition to have patience and tolerance and work through it. He's a pro's pro. Scott is really, really good at it when he needs to do his work and his, uh, interviewee work, he can do it. If he needs to lay out, he can do it. Uh, Scott's he's kind of one of those unsung heroes of the early days of TNA in a lot of ways. But when you go back and kind of watch the overall work, you go, Oh, okay. Scott was really good. He, uh, I don't think he gets his flowers enough. Next up, it's Frankie Kazarian wrestling the amazing red. Frankie's going to win to retain the X title in nine minutes and 52 seconds. Meltzer would call it an above average match, but red and Kazarian didn't bring out the best in each other. Red hit his red star press and seven eighteen, but Kazarian blocked a springboard attempt and hit the wave of the future for the win two and a, and a half stars. Frankie Kazarian still doing his thing just this past weekend was wrestling on pay-per-view for AEW. Amazing red. One of those guys who, if you go back to Oh one Oh two, I think a lot of people thought, man, this guy could be like the next Ray Mysterio. I mean, his, his matches oftentimes look like something out of the freaking matrix. Um, and now here he is on pay-per-view for you. But once again, like we've said with some other guys, he never really got the big spotlight. Uh, why do you think amazing red didn't get that platform? Was it his size? And at the time wrestling wasn't ready for that small guy, um, WWE, uh, definitely weren't taking any small guys. We were Wednesday nights only, um, you know, throughout red's career, just because of his style, he had a, you know, I think a couple of knee, a couple of times his knee went out. Um, I'll never forget the night kind of when my father working on headsets at go position kind of saw red's charisma. It's one thing to be able to do a move set and do some innovative moves, but to have the charisma where the people connected and my dad threw the headsets, Conrad, uh, cause they were having to, uh, go long. Uh, red was in the ring. He was going into a longer cell. We had to fill a little bit more time. And my dad threw the headsets tells Don West, start cheering for red. So what does Don do? 
come on, Red. He, he's just doing it verbally. Go, go, go. You know, the, no, Don. I mean, get the people behind Red. So you follow me, Conrad? Like, yeah. okay. So Conrad's like, okay. Well, go, Red, go. <laughs> and my dad was basically trying to tell Don, the people in the arena, let them see your infectionist because that's what he, because Don was a fans man. So my dad doesn't scream, but sounds kind of loud. Don, stand up on the announcer's desk and cheer red. And Don's like, okay. And he popped up and started standing and the whole arena stood. It was just one of those things that was really cool because my dad saw red's charisma and getting the people going. And then Don did it. And then Don kind of became red's biggest cheerleader, but that's a fun little story completely off topic, but it dials into, uh, isn't it amazing that Kazarian and Red in 04 yeah. and now 2022, and they're both rocking and rolling. Good talent. Very good talent. Next up, we see Scott Hudson interview D-Ray 3000. Oh, God. Who stuck a comb in his afro. He stammered and said he's happy to be in TNA, but he doesn't know whom he'll be wrestling. Now, D-Ray 3000, another TNA original, if you will. Although I think he did have a cup of coffee with the WWE on a skit a couple of years later, he was like the Ethiopian heavyweight champion or something stupid. Uh, but D Ray 3000, what a character this guy was any good D Ray memories you can share with us. Well, okay. So D Ray's from Detroit brought him down and look, he, he wasn't any fantastic blow you away X division guy, but he was a good solid in ring worker. Um, but this is one of those Russo things that when I saw it for the first time, I said, okay, that's entertaining. So D Ray, you know, his, his natural facial expression is that it's like, he's just the most easygoing laid back kind of guy that he's not going to get excited for anything, but he's always looking for his next match. And <laughs> Russo had that, um, him, finish his promos and he would ask a Scott Hudson say, all right, I'm ready to go. Which way's the ring. And the announcer would point to the left or whatever it may, he'd point to the left and D Ray would just with really good comedic timing, nod his head in agreement, like, all right, I'm going to go get him and then go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was a, a little touch of comedy that got D Ray noticed it, 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 it made him connect with the audience because the people are like, Oh, that's D Ray. He's the one who's whether he's out to lunch or does the opposite or whatever it is. But yeah, fun little, I had a D Ray D Ray and shark boys, a tag team. Hilarious. Some good comedy, but another episode next up, we've got Abyss pinning D Ray in three minutes and 15 seconds. Meltzer would say Abyss was fascinated with the comb and D Ray's hair. Goldilocks came to the ring with a briefcase late in the match. Abyss hit his black hole slam to easily win. Goldie opened the briefcase and revealed a lot of cash. We don't know why exactly. One star. As Abyss keeps beating on D-Ray, Eric Watts comes down to make the save. And Tanae said Russo had told Watts to stay away from the asylum until further notice. He knocked Abyss out of the ring. Goldie grabbed the briefcase. Watts yanked it away from her and said it was his money. Security then entered the ring and escorted him to the back. And Vince Russo made sure he left the arena. Russo insisted Watts give him the money back to quote unquote, trust him and told him to go home and be with his wife. And Watts seemed shocked that Russo would bring up his wife and Goldie ran into the picture and screamed that Watts should go home to his wife. 
what in the world is going on here? I wish I could tell you, pal, <laughs> because I'd have to research a few of the other weekly. Uh, look, it, it obviously involves Goldie and Watts and money and and because Eric had he would come up and run a, a string of Wednesdays and then then he would be off for a while. Uh, I don't recall Conrad. I'll just be candid here. I don't know all the ins and outs of the exact story, where it was going, where it was coming from probably is where we need to do the jumping off point. Talk to me about Goldilocks. How was she to work with? She's talented. She, she, she didn't, you know, she's a, uh, by trade, she's a, uh, uh, a music artist. She's a singer. And, uh, my original attorney of TNA entertainment or J sports entertainment, um, was a connection here locally who was, uh, I was connected originally from Mark Miller, Sawyer Brown through that law firm. And, um, Deborah Wagman, uh, who was the attorney, uh, also represented Goldilocks or they, you know, that, that was the, the business, some type of connection there. And Goldie had a different way about her. And, uh, again, TNA, we were looking for females to be on the show, uh, didn't have a knockout division. So how can you get a female on the show in a consistent manner? Uh, without putting him in the ring, she was a backstage announcer. What about your boy, Eric Watts, a name we haven't seen in wrestling for a long, long time. Of course, in the early nineties, he was a staple for WCW and received a lot of criticism. And then it feels like he just sort of went away and now bam, he's back here in TNA. So what was the question? What, what, I mean, he, he, he was he, on the Wednesday stories. There was a time when him, I mean, he, he, he was heavily featured, um, Cabo Bill Watts son, uh, for those who, who were not, uh, a father of my peer, a territory promoter also worked for Vince and, and, uh, WCW, but, uh, Eric was a former college quarterback at the university of Louisville. Um, like you said, early days, man, he was really put in a tough, tough spot, probably not quite ready for that spot as far as seasoned entering ability, but, uh, in TNA and the asylum years, he's one of those guys that, uh, knew how to get over him and Russo had a really tight relationship. And, um, what was that? I mean, he's a real asset to the Wednesday night shows. It's just amazing to me that, that he's back. Uh, is that your idea? What was your experience like working with him? That was, uh, Russo. That was Russo again, coming up from Atlanta. Um, it was Russo probably. I want to say disco also, uh, had a relationship with, with Eric. I'm not positive. Uh, but anyway, it was definitely a Russo driven decision. Let's jump into, uh, the next little piece of business here, because we see Scott Hudson interview James storm and dusty Rhodes, and dusty says the tag belt sure would look good on the hood of his car as they drove away after the show. How great is dusty? I mean, I know that we were blessed with him for a long time, but you go back and you watch some of his stuff, even with TNA here where don't get me wrong. He's definitely on the downhill slope of, of any sort of in ring or on camera, but he's still wildly entertaining every time out. Is he not? So a lot of people through the years, um, will, you know, probably out of 10 TNA fans, eight probably first discovered TNA on spike, you know, it's it, no Fox sports, certainly not the asylum, but 
through the years, if there's one name that sort of comes up in conversation of, hey, I didn't know uh, so-and-so was a part of the early days of TNA, a name that comes up probably most is, I didn't know Dusty Rhodes. And, man, he didn't do a one-off. I said, nope. Dusty Rhodes came up every Wednesday for quite the run. And even though, and at one time, uh, he, he was running all things creatively. Um, but you know, from day one, Dusty, uh, would, uh, request his check. He wanted to be paid when he walked through the door, totally old school. Bob Ryder would have to have his check sitting there. You never know, kid. I'm like, Dusty, you've been coming up for three months. Do we still got to do this? Yep. But anyway, um, Dusty's charisma, and I loved having him apart, bounce ideas off, but he was so good for the talent. He'd roll in, get there early, and basically hold court as much as possible, talking to other guys, and I knew what a bonus, what an absolute bonus, because I think those type deals, I know for me, being in dressing rooms, I've seen other guys, me and Kevin Nash in long road trips and early WWF back in the day, we would talk about just being around and being in the car or being in a dressing room and to hear a couple of stories here and there. Yeah, they're entertaining, but you can also learn. And Dusty, man, but uh, this match we're about to talk about, I remember several like this that you go, he ain't done one flip. Nope. He ain't, he ain't done one X division move. Nope. He, Literally has not left his feet. He's really only typed, talked on the microphone for maybe 30 seconds at, at, at the top of the match. He didn't like grab the mic and talk for three minutes. He did it with facials and timing and just theatrics and that kind of stuff. The people to this day, they will, that's what they want to be entertained. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, Duxy, uh, Dusty, that's my hurricanrana. You just saw, I mean, just the funny Dustyisms we used to have a blast with. Yep. We sure did. We still do. Me and Crowbar text them back and forth all the time. Uh, when you had a little person masturbating in a trash can, <laughs> Dusty got in the ring the next week and he said, the marquee says wrestling. It does not say a little person, a beaten off in the trash can. But the way he it's, put that in front, a beaten off, just God, it, charisma drips. I it. mean, real. And when you kind of think back and you hear, like the Flair Rhodes dynamic, yeah. in promos, you couldn't get more yin and yang. No. Wow, Jim Crockett Promotions, pal, coming back, baby, end of July, one last time. Hey, so here's the the write up in the Observer. The crowd was hottest for Kid Cash and Dallas uh, in a title defense over Dusty Rhodes and James Storm. He would say Dusty Rhodes got by far the biggest reaction of anyone. It was five minutes before they even locked up, and the crowd went nuts live with every Rhodes gyration. Even though it was a lot different watching it on TV, as nothing happened forever. Also in the observer, the difference was the crowd, which for whatever reason was the hottest TNA crowd in a long time. They've had crowds hot for certain matches, but this crowd was into everything on the show. They're going to go 11 minutes. Kid cash and Dallas are going to beat dusty and James storm to retain the tag straps today. And West said it had been 20 years since dusty had been half of the tag team champions. 
Uh, when he and Manny beat Nikita and Ivan Koloff, West compared Dusty to George Foreman. In the end, Dallas knocked out Storm with a lead pipe. An entertaining match personality-wise and some solid exchanges between Cash and Storm, but mostly stalling from Dusty. One star. I know that, you know, we can be critical of the work, but my goodness, the fans went bananas, so it's a win. Conrad, the wording of that. Mostly stalling. Yeah. Do you think in Dusty's mind, he's thinking, Hey, let me stall. No, he's going, let me entertain. Let me suck these people in. Let me get them emotionally invested in the match. And then we're going to give them some action. And that action is going to come from kid cash. And uh, you sort of glanced over. So, uh, some of you non TNA dialed in fans, Conrad just referenced Dallas. Yep. You might also know him as Lance Archer. Okay. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Lance Hoyt back in those days. That's right. Uh, he was from Texas, another college quarterback. You know, he played QB in college. No, I would not have guessed that he is a, he is too tall Jones. Super duper athlete. But anyway, uh, yeah, we we've talked about Kazarian and red and all these different guys, Kenny and D- anyway, so uh hell of an entertaining match. James storm got to sit under the learning dream, uh, uh, of the American dream, dusty roads. And he did not stall. He entertained. Uh, Hudson is going to interview Jeff Jarrett about his title title shot later. Styles is going to attack Jarrett. They have a brief pull apart brawl. Hudson then interviews the NWA world champ, Ron killings, along with Conan and BG James who all complain about the odds being stacked against them. And now we get to our main event. It goes 20 minutes and 23 seconds. And of course, what, you know, it that damn double J Jeff Jarrett wins again. Meltzer would say he won the King of the Hill reverse ladder match over the incumbent Ron killings and Chris Harris and Raven and AJ styles to capture the NWA world heavyweight title at 20 minutes and 23 seconds, quote, very good gimmick concept match. In another innovative gimmick match introduced by TNA, Jeff Jarrett regained the world heavyweight title for the third time in a King of the Mountain match. He won by climbing a ladder and hanging the NWA title belt on a hook above the ring before the incumbent champ, Ron Killings, and top contenders James Storm, AJ Styles, and Raven. He hit Killings with the guitar just before making the winning climb. The other key stipulation was that anytime someone was pinned, they had to spend two minutes in a penalty box, which was a small cage at ringside. At, at times, more than one wrestler was in the penalty box. Sometimes they'd have a mini cage brawl. Other times they call a truce to rest. Jarrett had previously held the title from November 20th, 2002 to June 11th, 2003. And then again, from October 22nd, 2003 to April 21st, uh, 2004 here. So from the observer, they're going to say that, uh, you win the title a week before the first TV taping. And of course. He had predicted that. What'd you think of, of the way this all came together in the execution of the match? You know, Conrad, as last night and then earlier, when you were asking me to explain, I forgot to think of this analogy that again, internally, uh, folks eight years later, 2011, 2012, you know, they're like, ah, we don't even understand it. And I would say, Hey, you ever been to a hockey game? Oh yeah. Do you like it? Oh, love hockey. Absolutely. Do you understand all the rules? Well, hell no. Do you know what the blue line, you know, what icing is, you know, what's a penalty, what's not a penalty, all that. And I'm just like, so just kind of let it breathe. But look, don't offer overcomplicate it. Some folks will continue to nitpick and I get it. I respect that. But 
the the people I knew after this match, Conrad, that, and I have often thought, is there a way that we can kind of tweak it to kind of let the air out of, oh, there's too many rules. I don't understand that. But these very first King of the Mountain match, and I'm going to abyss, I hate to do this, but you talk about a guy that can lay out a match like this, like a lethal lockdown. This is why he's where he's at today. He can think things through from an announcer's point of view, from a talent's point of view, from a fan's point of view, he, and, and structurally put things together and piece it together and timing and all that. And I remember us getting together and knowing that when a pinfall happens, that guy's got to go into the penalty box. So let's take that into account and, and, and who's in there together or if they're in there together. But I was very, very happy with the first one. Uh, now, look, not all of them can be perfect, but we had several in Orlando that the timing was right, everything clicked, the people understood the drama when you got right down to the end. One talent would climb to the top, he would go off, and there would be a crash and burn. Another guy would, the baby face would get pinned, and he'd be put into the uh, penalty box, and then the heel or two heels would be left out, and they'd be climbing. So you could create a lot of drama out of this match if it's executed properly. So I, I remember this one, I re- really be... I remember being really happy, uh, after we finished it. One of the things I wanted to mention is, uh, this note from the observer, they had to approach the FSN deal, whether this is a valid premise or not, that they are mainly introducing a product to a new audience. While a lot of people and rightfully so consider this, the Jeff Jarrett vanity promotion, he was the best guy to go into the new television as champion. They also needed to pick one baby face, whether it be Harris or styles, who is clear to be the guy getting the push and build a fairly decent, lengthy program chasing it and getting it because long-term Jarrett can't be the guy. It should also be noted that those in the booking process have noted that Jarrett was insistent upon being champ when the TV started and an inordinate amount of time in the booking meetings is spent planning his angles. So who's leaking that stuff? Who's, who's the stooge? Through the years, I mean, you can almost pull the lens back and kind of know, but in order, so I'm just trying to think who was in the rooms. Uh, look, it's no secret that Mike Tanay and Meltzer have had a 40 year friendship at this time, but Mike wasn't in the rooms. I, I don't know. Vince Dutch, JB, you know, I, I can't, I couldn't put my finger on any one thing, but God forbid you give the most time and attention to detail on the champions, uh, program, (laughs) but again, good, good newsletter writing. I get it. Uh, openly, uh, we'll, we'll have that discussion, but good question, Conrad. Here's another one I wanted to ask about, um, Stephanie Bellers, who we know from WCW as gorgeous, George. Uh, Randy Savage's ex-girlfriend, she comes walking out at the end of the show. And Mike Tanay says something like, I haven't seen her in years, but he doesn't identify her. And Don West is like, who is this? And Meltzer says it was so weird because this supposed cliffhanger ending was never acknowledged on TV. Two days later, Baylor's had been working as both a touring stripper on the weekends using the name, George Frankenstein as well as a bartender and hostess at the crystal Springs country club in Hamburg, New Jersey, 
using the name George and telling people she prefers that name to Stephanie. Now she's married to a member of the misfits rock group that worked in WCW. It's said that she is very tolerant of the fact that many people try and do savage voice impressions when they order from her. That's probably a heart connection since she was in the XWF. Hart has taken on a lot of Jerry Jarrett's duties. What's going on here? What, what can you tell us about Stephanie? How this came to be? Was it a, a Jimmy Hart influence? Any memories of working with her? Zero. And here's what jumped off the page at me. Kind of, again, going back to knowing my philosophy. I think the easiest connection would be a Jimmy Hart, but, you know, the Jimmy was there and some kind of cliffhanger, but fundamentally philosophically i feel like going off the air with a new champion why cloud that story i mean it, it, it just her coming out after the king of the mountain match and we're going off the air that way that's a head scratcher conrad so maybe not not that they do it did it by my back but i don't remember who made that decision? It feels like Jimmy Hart, but maybe Jimmy Hart to Vince Russo and Vince is like, yeah, we'll put her out at the very end of the show. And Mike and Don, you got to, uh, react to it. And then you're out, out, out shot is the new champion. It's, uh, interesting. Meltzer would say the plan here is to make styles, the focal point of the X division. And it was noted here many months ago. It was always planned for when TV started. Styles himself is happy with it because he feels he can do the kind of matches he wants better with those opponents. It shows a totally different mentality than WWE or even WCW during the cruiserweights peak in those companies. The mentality was the cruiserweight division limited you to lower mid card status and smaller guys of that size, such as Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit, and even later Ray Mysterio. Certainly in WWE today, the cruiserweights are a joke. If Bruce Pritchard or others doesn't get the division killed by creative, the booking has already set it up for the same result. Fans have been conditioned to not think it's of any importance. This does give TNA a style and concept of its own, which is good. In Japan, there've been several companies like Michinoku pro Osaka pro, etc., who've built around smaller guys. They are not gigantic successes, but they've survived by giving fans a style that the big companies don't concentrate on but they are not at the level where the wrestlers are making big money working for them. So I like the idea that, Hey, we're going to make styles, the focal point, and he's going to be the face of the X division. Did you view the cruiserweights as, I don't know, mid card in WCW? Yes. In, in WCW, I did, but, but you know, again, context is King. You got the NWO, you got the four horsemen. You know, I was a big part of the four horsemen during that era, Conrad, but no, but you know, it, 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 it was a different time. The three hours of nitro or the two hours of nitro started off with action. Uh, many luchadors, you know, Conan, it was, you know, very innovative and, and the new luchador, but it was positioned as in a lot of ways, mid card at best. I mean, at very best fast forward, 18 years, I, you know, and I can, man, I could probably give you three or four lines that I've heard a hundred times back in that day, but my, my father always used to have the mentality. Yes. Dundee was, uh, you know, he didn't do high flying stuff, but a little bit, but you know, my dad drew a lot of money with, with, with Dutch and, and Dundee and, you know, Ricky Morton and, and smaller guys, but yeah, that's, I always heard that as somewhat of wrestling philosophy and chatter. 
but my father would get into this discussion and he's the data guy like me. And, you know, we, we couldn't get exacts, but you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, his box office at the time, you know, so it's Marvin Hagler, Ray Leonard, who's the third, oh, Duran, those guys set records. And so that, that's, that was like, yes, people will pay to see smaller guys that aren't as heavy. If you position and promote them, right. That's why in every marketing meeting, I always was as openly, <laughs> I, I really pressed the fact that, Hey guys, if we tell them their main event, they'll believe it. But if we tell them their lesson, then that's what they're going to think. So I always tried to position the X division, even from day one on equal footing. So you get your win uh, third time with the NWA title. Um, at this point, I'm not saying this to be negative. Is it special anymore? I mean, obviously winning it the first time is really cool and really exciting. But now with the pressure of not just being an in-ring performer like you were in WCW when you won the world title, but now it's it's sort of your shooting match and you got all this stress and pressure of the business and you got some stuff going on at home and dad just had a heart attack. It feels like it's just another day at the office. It, this isn't something you can really get excited about. Is that fair to say? In so many ways. I can remember so many things about Tampa and winning the Intercontinental title against Razor Ramon. I mean, down to me and Road Dog driving to, you know, uh, Sarasota Brayton in the next day. You know, just details about that whole trip. The WCW Chicago uh, DDP, the first time I won that title. So many things about that. The TNA, it was, I wore so many hats. There was never a big moment where I could sink it in. I mean, the first time I won the AAA title, that was a really big deal. And then fast forward till 2018 when they laid that story out, Rey Mysterio in the match, and I, I become the that you know that was a special moment. The TNA Championship runs, so much was going on personally and professionally. There was never a moment where you went hmm, right on. You're right. It just it just I don't say it wasn't special. It just was a different emotional, uh, situation. Talk to me about, uh, we got a few questions here. I want to get to, but this one is, it stands out out of all the gimmick matches introduced in TNA, where does King of the mountain in terms of, uh, your favorite. It's up there. Ultimate X is probably number one. King of the mountains, probably number two. I, I, you know, there's been, like I said, uh, some really good dramatic King of the Mountain matches. Also, obviously, Ultimate X, but the King of the Mountain match with the right storyline and five guys that deserve to be in the match and tell the story, you can really create a story within a story uh, in, in a King of the Mountain match. You know, I want to talk about how you introduce a new gimmick match. Uh, but before I do that, I want to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by Elysium health. Uh, this is something that, uh, I just recently learned about myself, but I know that Jeff, you've been keeping up with it for a long time. NAD plus supplementation and how it's important as we get older. I just turned 40. So it's just now on my, uh, my purview, if you will. 
Here's what I'm looking to talk about today. NAD plus supplementation and how Elysium Health's product basis is clinically proven to raise those levels by 40% safely and sustainably. Elysium's products target aging at its source. They're unlike any other health company I've ever come across. And now they're at the forefront of NAD supplementation. Check this out. They have dozens of the world's best scientists. In fact, eight of them are Nobel prize winners. In case you didn't know this, and I've just learned it myself, NAD plus is found in every single cell of your body. It's responsible for creating energy, regulating hundreds of cell functions. But here's the thing. As you get older, your NAD plus levels decline as you age. So things like lack of sleep, intense exercise, unbalanced diet, sun overexposure, all of that can also deplete your NAD plus levels. These decreased NAD plus levels are linked to faster biological aging they can even slow down your vital body functions. So basis replenishes those youthful levels of NAD plus to promote healthy aging, to support cellular energy and metabolism. It's also going to reduce your general tiredness to keep you feeling good for longer. And many basis customers also report experiencing higher energy, less fatigue, and more satisfying workouts. This is something that we feel really strongly about here on the show. As we get a little older guys, we want to keep looking like Jeff, right? Come on now. Try it, try it out. Go to trybasis.com slash my world and enter the code my world at checkout to save 10% off basis prepaid plans, as well as other Elysium health supplements. That's trybasis.com slash my world and use the code my world at checkout to save 10%. And we thank you Elysium health for sponsoring today's episode. That's trybasis, trybasis.com slash my world, trybasis.com slash my world so yeah that's 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 making those guns bigger is that what you're telling me that's the reason you're Sorry, looking Conrad, for I just don't on your read that my it's bad okay. take it every morning on an empty stomach 5 30 every morning go out of your way check it out it's working for the king of the mountain it'll work for you too middle kingdom wrestling uh our, our friends over in china have a great question hi mr jarrett do you have some production advice or suggestions for when introducing a new match type to an audience for tv and the live audience like the King of the Mountain or the Ultimate X, etc. Especially when presenting brand new match types and stipulations that have never been done before with unfamiliar rules. Is it about showing pre-match graphics with the rules, the ring announcer going through them before the match? What's the best practice? Oh wow. That's a loaded question. I could get really long winded, but graphically, I think uh the old rule of three comes in. Explain the match in three bullet points. I, th- I think that's important. Uh, if you have video, nothing tells a story like a, a, a video. Uh, yeah. I mean, the three bullet points are text, but if you have a video to conceptually show it, and then those three bullet points, uh, with the ring announcer, uh, should say it in my opinion, before anybody comes to the ring, because have all eyes on that announcer and they're audibly hearing it and visually seeing the text uh, and you know, again, if you can roll a little 30 to 45 second video before anybody comes out there, that helps as well. Well, I love it. I'm glad we got to talk about King of the mountain. And next week we're going to talk about another E original Mr. AJ styles. The phenomenal one has had such a career. We'll talk about the start of it, believe it or not in WCW to TNA, some of his ups and downs. I think he's probably the biggest star to come out of TNA. So we'll talk about the rise of AJ, the evolution of AJ in the business as a man, as a wrestler, as a businessman, what AJ meant to TNA 
and whether or not Jeff was sad to see AJ leave TNA. Uh, and of course we're going to talk about when you stood next to AJ styles and ruined the bullet club, uh, all that and more right here next week on my <laughs> world. But in between now and then, is it, do I have this right? You're reporting to work. You're going to be working with Vince McMahon again. Conrad, I said, we'll just keep things private. I'm reporting to duty. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Are you taking, uh, are you taking a pistol? <laughs> just want to know. Well, Bruce said that I'd probably get frisked at the door. And so I'm hoping I can give Bruce my snub nose and that he no, just kind of Bruce can't have guns in, on the office anymore. Either you were both banned from owning guns. Oh, okay. We shouldn't joke about guns. Oh, no. Out. You know what I'm saying though? There was a he famous. Cares. There's a I famous know. story about you holding up Vince. My apologies. We have, we have a blast with it. Uh, you know what? I haven't seen Bruce. He's dropped Bruce. a bunch of LBs, you know? No, he, he, I don't know that. I don't, I'm probably not supposed to be sharing this, but he's, uh, he stopped eating red meat. Like the last time he ate red meat was last year sometime. Okay. And, uh, he's working with a personal trainer like every day. And yeah, I he's, love it. That's right up my alley. Yeah. So y'all are going to be workout buddies. Maybe. Oh, I can't let's, di- let's dig in. I let's do it. I I'm excited that. Yeah. Hey, the episode next week on AJ's last nights in TNA. I've yeah. never told that story. Conrad. I've also got a Korea story with me and AJ, AJ, he, he, I don't know. He has time. He's got kids and a whole career, but there's a funny story about Korea. All you have to do, if you see AJ Styles, say, Hey, did you ever work with Jeff in Korea? And just watch the look on his face. So, uh, yeah. Young AJ Styles in the asylum and cage matches. And that's, I can't wait for next week. It's going to be a really fun episode. Uh, the hall of fame, uh, me and Bobby and AJ got to take a picture and Eric young, yeah, it'll be a fun episode. It, it, I can't wait. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, opening day on Saturday. Starcast. Hey, as a, oh, I'm the biggest wrestling fan. Maybe you know, or one of them. When are you going to announce all the stage shows? Look, well, I'm, as your partner and also as a fan, I'm going to keep, when are they going to roll out? Well, we've announced a bunch. You know, we've announced that Bret Hart's going to be there talking about his match with Davey Boy Smith for the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam. Yeah. We've also announced that uh, Johnny Gargano is going to be on stage talking about what's that. next. See, I, I'm getting yep. you, folks, explain that one. So my, my, my world listeners, I mean, I, I didn't know that was announced yet. Go that's ahead. announced. Yeah, Johnny Gargano is maybe one of, if not the biggest free agent in wrestling right now. Yep. And he he walked away from NXT, and I think a lot of people assumed, well, he's going to show up on a Wednesday, and he did not. Uh, and in the meantime, he's gone out and had a beautiful baby and. Now there's a lot of chatter. What's next for Gargano? Is he going to show up on the WWE main roster? Is he trying to go back to NXT? Might he pop up in ring of honor or AEW or perhaps impact or the NWA, but Lord knows he's got plenty of options and we're going to pin him down and have a conversation and talk about the good old days of his career and all the highlights of, from, from that NXT run that people are still talking about, but then we're going to pick his brain about what's next. Uh, I can't wait. We've also got the horseman reunion, all those guys. And when I say all those guys, I mean, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, JJ Dillon, uh, Tully Blanchard, Lex Luger, Barry Windham. They're all going to be there. And Tony, no, no, we only invited the horseman. Uh, and, and we're going to have Tony Schiavone host it. And that is going to be a panel discussion that 
man, you just don't want to miss. Uh, we got a bunch more coming, but, uh, there's a little taste. They're of, not all out, right? They're not. I know and of course the roast of Ric Flair. I mean, that's kind of the main event on Friday night. It is. I do have some others, but, uh, I've got some in my back pocket that I'm not technically supposed to announce yet. But okay. let me just say some of the biggest stars in the history of WWE, some of the biggest stars in wrestling today are going to be there on stage telling their stories in Nashville folks. Psst. Who's going to take care of your family. If something happens to you, what would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms you're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at savewithconrad.com. In Nashville, go pick up. By the way, I think we've ran through this before, but if you've never been to a StarCast, it's unlike any of the other conventions. Yes, we have meet and greets, but we also have these panel discussions. And so there'll be a stage and a whole bunch of seats and you're able to just go to every single one of them. Thinking about it like a music festival, except it's old wrestling stories, baby. Uh, and, and you get to go to collector's corner. That's where we do the meet and greets. But then if with a bracelet, you don't just get to go to the meet and greets. Now you get to go to all these shows, including the roast of Ric Flair. So pick up a bracelet, a gold one's only one seventy nine. You're going to get at least a dozen different stage shows. That's going to be like 10 bucks a show that you would attend. And then of course you can wander around and pick up all your meet and greets for two days. Um, you know, if you bought just the weekend pass and you did the, the meet and greet route, that's 59 bucks. So you're essentially saying $120 more to get that gold bracelet and ta-da, I get to go to, I get to early pre-sale and buy all these, uh, you know, opportunities for meet and greets before they sell out. Cause a guy like Bret Hart will sell out. But in addition to that, you get a guaranteed seat for all of these discussions on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three days worth of content with one bracelet purchase, Jeff. I'm telling you, it's blowing me away. Can I mention a vendor that's coming? Yeah. I didn't know if that's, uh, I, I don't want to get out of line. Cause no, please do. Know, I texted you the other day and said, WrestleQuest.com. No, WrestleQuest, folks. The video game that the promoter extraordinaire, the podfather himself, Conrad, is in. But no, WrestleQuest. WrestleQuest, Conrad, they were telling me about the booth they're designing. Designing. This is going to be kind of next level. Uh, now I'm putting the pressure on them. But this isn't going to be your ordinary, average, just kind of booth space. We're piping Drake. So get ready, Connie. WrestleQuest is coming to StarCast. I'm ready. I'm pumped. Oh, I should also mention uh, the Major Figure Wrestling Pod. They're going to have a stage show. Kevin Nash has a new podcast debuting with Sean Oliver called Click This. They're going to have a stage show. This Friday, Mick Foley's podcast, Foley is Pod Debuts. He's going to have a stage show. I mean, the hits just keep on coming. All the horsemen, Bret Hart, the Major Figure Bros, Kevin Nash, Johnny Gargano, Mick Foley, the Roaster Ric Flair, it's all happening July 29th, 30th, and 31st. Starcast.com is where you can pick up a bracelet to attend all of these events. And of course, if you can't make it, no problem. Go to starcast.com and you can pre-order on fight. You can watch it live. You can watch it on demand. 
And one of the things we're adding as a perk, Jeff, is when you buy Starcast five on pay-per-view, you get access to one, two, three, and four. So wow. you, you get five conventions worth of content for the price of one when you order over at starcast.com on fight. So how about that, Jeff? Fight technology, second to none. I, I've early, early adopter back to the flip stage. Their technology is unbelievable. I hope you guys check it out, and I hope you'll check us out right here next week when we're talking all things AJ Styles on my world. Peace, my John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.